0: This sikha, in addition to being a sikha related to the Parshas HaShavuah, it's also a siyum on Mesech Sukkah. It was customary that the Rebbe would make siyumim on the days of Yoritzaite and the days of Hilula. And this sikha is actually put together from two sikhas, one of Vav Tishrei sikha, the Yoritzaite of the Rebbe's mother, Rebbe Chana, and a Chav of sikha, the Yoritzaite of the Rebbe's father, Rebbe Levi Yitzchok. In this sikha, the Rebbe is going to be exploring the relationship between neighbors, and the main topic in the Sikha is going to be whether the connection between neighbors is what we'd call more of a superficial type of connection, where one is impacted by the other, or even benefiting from the other in one way or another, or is there a much deeper connection between the neighbors, and the Rebbe is going to be looking at this in three completely different areas, seemingly, of Torah. And the Rebbe starts off with the Sicha and says, The possek says, You should do that which is just and right and good in the eyes of Hashem. From this we learn out the halacha which is called Bar Metsura. Bar literally means the one living at the border of your property. And that is, that if a person buys a field from another person, so the Bar the one who has a field neighboring the sold field, has the right to remove this new buyer from the field, and to now pay for it and buy the field himself, because it's a benefit for him, for this Bar metzorah, for this neighbor to have his properties, his fields next to each other. Now, this din of Bar metzorah, as it's brought in the Gemara, and Paschum and the Rambam as well, is. Specifically, when the buyer has already bought the field, so as a result of our seesaw hayosher so we remove this person that just bought the field, and then, as we said, we give it to the other person. But which tells us that the of the main obligation of our sisa yosher vatoiv, is on the buyer, on the one that just bought this field. In other words, it's not so much about the seller who sold the field to start with, it's more about this person who just bought the field. Since for him, there's not such a major difference if he buys this field or another field somewhere else, as opposed to the neighbor, the bar metzro, um, it makes a big difference for him. And therefore we say it's Yosher Vatoiv. It's the right thing. It's the good thing that this Bar should be able to buy this field. The Rebbe says, this is also implied from the Gemara that says, that Zovin Laakum, if the owner of the field went ahead and sold it to a goy, then there is no din of Bar metzorah, Because there is definitely no concept of a, siso Hayyosher vahatoiv. As, as to uh, no obligation on the goy, as far as we all see, so In other words, what do we see from here? That this whole din, this whole obligation, is on the buyer, and therefore it doesn't apply when it was sold to a goy. However, says the Rebbe, within the geder of bar metzora itself, within the law of bar metzora itself, this itself we could explain in two different ways. One way of explaining it is that it's just a matter of meaning it's just a way of how this buyer should conduct himself. That means, he bought the field 100%. There's nothing lacking in his acquisition of the field. But the Chachamim are now telling him that he needs to fulfill what this Pasek says. The Chachamim are explain, telling that he needs to act in an upright and a just way. And therefore, yes, it's true he acquired this field, but now he should be giving it to the Bar Mitzra. Obviously the Bar Mitzra is going to pay for it. <coughs> but it's mainly, again, on Hag It's not that it actually belongs to the Bar Mitzra in any way. We're telling this person how you should act and give it now to this Bar Mitzra. And the same thing we would understand in other laws related to Bar Mitzra as well. Another way of understanding it is that if va HaToiv actually accomplishes that this bar metzor, this neighbor, to a certain extent, actually got a certain ownership on the field because he's a neighbor. And therefore, the fact that this buyer needs to give the field to the bar metzor, it's not only of an obligation of a nice thing to do, a good way of behaving. But rather, this field inherently belongs in some way to the bar metzor. Or to use the expression of the Nebukah Yosef that says, it's as if he had already acquired some of this piece of land, and therefore the buyer is obligated to give it to him. Okay, now the difference between these two ways, says the Rebbe, according to the first way that the din of the Bar metzer is only a matter of acting in a good and nice way, then who is the din being said to? It's being said to, it's purely on the one who just bought the field, that he needs to act in a just way, in a good way, and give the field to the Bar metzor. If he doesn't, then Bezdin even gets involved and forces him to, but it's mainly a chiyuv on him. <coughs> on the other hand, according to the second way, that it's a din in the actual acquisition of the piece of land. So even though that the v'asisa yosher v'atoiv practically is being told and directed also to this buyer. But this tzivwi, this obligation, and fulfilling it practically, is also very relevant to the based in as well. Because as a result of the Osiso HaYoshev HaToiv, what we're saying is that the Chachamim are actually making and giving this Bar Metzorah a certain kinyan, a certain portion of owning this field in other words, that when the buyer had bought the field from the original seller, to a certain extent the Chachamim are weakening his kinyon, the amount that he owns it, and it's as a result of this that the buyer now needs to be removed, he needs to remove himself and allow the Bar who to a certain extent owned this land already, to be able to have it. Says the Rebbe, based on this, would actually come out that this is a of amongst the Rishonim, We could see this in the words of these Rishonim, how each one is leaning towards one of these ways. And specifically this will be emphasized in the differences of opinion between Rashi and the Rambam. On this Gemara, in the Din of Bar-Metzra, because of us, Rashi says, Something that you, the buyer, I'm not going to lose so much, because you'll be able to find land somewhere else. So therefore you should allow now this barmetzer to have it so that he doesn't have to have the bother to have his properties in different places allow him to have his properties next to each other. The Rambam on the other hand explains the reason and this is what he says. Yeshlah haveiroi shehu b'tsad the one who is the neighbor who's now who lives by who, who has his field by the border has the right to come along and give the buyer money and to remove him and that's because the Apostlech says, see so The explained that to mean that since this this sale is a good one and a just one, it is the right thing that he should be, the one buying it, the Ben Hamidze, because it's right and just for him, more than some foreigner, some other person coming in here. In other words, according to Rashi, the emphasis is on the buyer that's on ha that it's a good way, of he, the way he should conduct himself completely, completely applying to the loikeach. How does Rashi put it? Dov or she'i so something that you the buyer are not losing out anything by having your field somewhere else, don't cause the Ben to have a bother to split up his fields. And as Rashi emphasizes it in the Gemara by the Din, of if one sold it to a goi, the goy is not, doesn't have this obligation of uh, Rashi explains, the ein lo'nu loimar, we cannot say this concept of Bar Metser Vah Siso We're only who do we say it to? We only say it to the Loikeach, to the buyer. To the buyer we say, remove your hands, remove yourself from this field, let this other person come and buy it. And again, that's why we wouldn't say this to the guy. However, what does the Rambam say? According to the Rambam, it's not only a matter of An that the Loikeach, the buyer, has to be acting in a certain way for the benefit of the neighbor. But rather, again, it becomes something inherent within the field and the way one's supposed to act. In other words, the fact that the Chachamim say that this is the toiv yosher, and again, who, do, who is the Chachamim mainly saying it to? They're saying it to the, to, to the Bar that this Bar has the right to come along and remove the person who just bought it. Because the Chachamim said, means that it's the right thing, that he should be able to buy it. In other words, what they're saying is, and where the Rambam is putting it, that this is the actual right thing, completely what has to happen, as far as the field is concerned, as far as this neighbor is concerned, and that's again coming with the koyak that the Chachamim gave the Bar to own the land to a certain extent. So who is it being told? Well, it's not being told that he should act in a nice way we're saying that this Bar mitzvah can now come along and actually demand it and take the other person off it. Says the Rebbe, with this we're going to understand, that by the din of selling to a Goy, the Rambam puts it a little bit differently than the way we find it in the Gemara. The Rambam says, Hamoycher Lahakum, some of the went ahead and sold it to a Goy, we put him into a shamto, like a kind of excommunication, until he accepts upon himself anything that may go wrong between the Goy, who's now going to be this new neighbor, and the bar that's living there, we're going to make sure that he will that this seller is going to be responsible for any onus that happens from this goy until he acts with the bar in the proper way of Dine yisrael. In other words, first of all, he removes what the reason that says in the gemara that says that the goy, the concept of alsiso ayosher vatoiv doesn't apply to him. He also adds to the words of the gemara that says atcheyinoik till the goy will act with the bar in the, of, in, in the Dinim of Ayyid. In other words, because this din of Bar is not, as we said before, only about Deloikeyach, that he has to act in the way of Yosher V'toiv, but it's more connected with the property itself, with the piece of land itself, and not only again on Deloikeyach. Now, this is as far as Bar is concerned. The Rebbe is now going to apply this to different areas of Torah. And the Rebbe says, We spoke many times that there's many in Yonim of Halachis and Torah that even though at first glance they seem to be completely unrelated to each other, nevertheless because we know that Torah is a Torah Achas, if we look deeply, properly, we'll find that there's a certain common thread, a common denominator or we'll find that they're all built, certain different things that seem to be not related, are built on the same yisoid on the same basis, on the same foundation, as we find this in this forum of a number of G'doyle Yisrael, specifically regarding the ragachover we find this. Says the Rebbe, based on what we just explained, of these two ways of understanding Bar Metzra, that really, <coughs> there is a, a general discussion over here, a general there and, we're looking at it in two different ways. Whether the neighboring causes an inner and intrinsic connection between these between the neighbors, the fact that they're neighbors to each other. In other words, there's something really being changed over here. For example, again, in the case of the field, we're saying that the neighbor to a certain in a, cert, to a certain degree actually owns some of the other neighbors' property. Or we say that it's just a external connection. They just happen to be next to each other and therefore it's only an obligation of a nice way of acting that the way people should act is that you should, you know, first um, allow the neighbor to have it, etc. But it's not that the neighbor actually is connected to it in any way. Says the Rebbe that this idea, we're going to be able to apply it in different areas as well. It's going to come out as an afkimin in different areas as well. And the Rebbe is going to look over here in three general areas in the famous expression. which say for Yitziri uses that our world has Olam, Shona, and Nefesh. Olam is space, Shona is time, and Nefesh is in people. So in space, in Olam, that's what we were just discussing, pieces of land next to each other, the neighbors in the din of Bar Metzra. Now the Rebbe looks at a similar concept in the union of shona and the union of time. And the Rebbe says, we know there's the concept of that when it comes to, first of all, for example, Yom Kippur, there's an idea of adding some of the holiness of Yom Kippur. And the Rebbe says, everyone agrees that this is menat Toira, that we start off a little bit earlier, not only when it's actually a nightfall according to Torah, but we start a little bit earlier, adding a little bit more. Shabbos and Yom Tov, there's a similar concept of starting a little bit before the actual time of Shabbos and Yom Tov. Uh, now there's some opinions that it's mediraisa, some opinions bonon but there's generally this idea. So the Rebbe says, this is also a concept of neighbors, of neighboring, because we have the time before Shabbos and the time or or after Shabbos is the same idea. This is all like the neighbors close to Shabbos and the Rebbe says we can look at this again in two different ways. So one way is that they're actually intrinsically connected. There's a real connection. That means that the time that's right before or right after Shabbos, because it's so close to Shabbos, the time itself is changed. It's actually getting some of the essence from the holiness of Shabbos is there. Another way of understanding it is, no, the time itself never got to Kedusha of Shabbos. But since it's so close to Shabbos, so there's an obligation on the person, he has to now start getting ready and getting prepared, getting into the Shabbos mode. Says the Rebbe, based on what we said before, we can now understand that this is going to be the explanation for a machloikas that we find in Paiskim whether in this time that we add to Shabbos, that little time before Shabbos, could we then make Kiddush on Shabbos and other similar sorts of halachis? What's the two ways of looking at it? So the Rebbe says, those opinions that would say that you could make Kiddush at that point, you could have the Shabbos at that point and similar sorts of idea, that's because they're looking at it in a way that the time before Shabbos, the same thing you would apply after Shabbos, actually has fully that kedusha of Shabbos and Tov. In other words, there's a more intrinsic connection. The Rebbe preempts a certain question over here, not right now in the square brackets, and the Rebbe says, now we know that Pesach, you cannot make Kiddush, and do Achil HaSematzah in that time, that's before nightfall. But that's not really a question and a, and a contradiction to what we're saying over here. Because in those cases, those mitzvahs, the dalit and matzah are actually connected not only with the kedusha of Pesach, but it's actually connected with the fact that it needs to be night, and therefore just because the time is just before nighttime, is not going to become that now it's night. But as far as the kedusha again, usually Shabbos yomtiv and whatever how it applies to yom kippur, the, these opinions hold that the kedusha actually entered and uh, uh, and affects that time of the day. On the other hand, those opinions that say. That the additional part that we added to Shabbos or Yom Kippur is only as far as that a person is not allowed to do malacha, but not but you can't go ahead and make Kiddush, for example. What are they holding? Because they're saying that the time that we're adding to Shabbos or Yom Tev is more of like an external connection to the time of Shabbos. It's not mamish part of Shabbos. And therefore you could only add as far as what you're concerned in your not doing work, for example, you'd be able to say, fine, I'm adding a little bit to Shabbos and I'm not doing work at this point as well. But you can't go ahead and fulfill those mitzvahs that are actually connected with the time of Shabbos. And now the Rebbe moves on to Nefesh, to people, how people affect each other, neighboring people, so to speak. And the Rebbe says, in the end of Masech Sukka, we have that the Mishnah says, at the very end, we know that the koyanim were generally divided into 24 mishmoris, 24 groups that took turns working in the Beis hamikdash. These different groups had names based on people in the family. So there was a mishmor called Bilga. And usually we know that the halacha is, we had a mishmor that was just coming in to work for the new week. There was a mishmor that was just leaving. And then there are various different things that are related to the karbonois and other things that the koyanim get. That gets that the of the mishmor needs to be splitting. It needs to be dividing between themselves, etc. So the halacha goes as follows: that the new mishmor that's coming in divides in the tzeffin. They distribute their things in the tzeffin in the north part of the azora. Um, tzeffin is usually considered holier, etc. The one going out. Distributes it in the Dorim in the south. But this Mishmar called Bilga, that was the name of this particular Mishmar. They would always distribute their things in the Doroim. Meaning they would be always similar, as if they're just finishing off. Rather having the extra holiness of the Tzofoim. And another two differences between this Mishmar and the other Mishmaros. One is that Tabat, or its ring, was kvuah was set, was locked in place. We'll soon discuss what that means. That's going to be the major discussion soon what this is all about. The chaloina and its window, like a cubby, like a locker, like a type of place, a shelf for the whole things, was also always closed off. Again, we'll soon see what this chaloin refers to. Now, what was the reason for all of this? So, the Gemara brings two reasons. One is because of a certain girl of this family, Miriam Bas Bilga, that had converted... And the Gemara goes on to tell a whole long story of how she disgraced the, the Mizbeyach and so on and so forth. The Rebbe does not go into the story over here. Another reason that the Gemara gives is because this particular Mishmar was lax in their avoida; They would come late. They didn't show up on time, etc. Now, so this is why they got a knas because of one of these two reasons. The Gemara goes on and asks, I could understand Based on the reason that this Mishmar would always come late. So that's why the whole Mishmar is getting this penalty of the few things that we just mentioned. However, according to the opinion that it was because of a certain girl, Miriam Bas Gilga, that, Bilga that converted. So just because of this daughter, this girl, that is why the father should be punished. Miriam Bas Bilga, that's why Bilga should be punished. So the Gemara says, yes. Because we know there's a, there's a, a saying that people say, that Shusodi Yanuka, meaning that which a child spree, speaks, Beshuka out in the street, where did he pick it up from? Either from his father or from his mother. So therefore, yes, the parents are being punished because of the daughter. So then the Gemara goes on and says, and just because of the parents, that's where the whole Mishmar should be punished. So Abaye explains, Oila Rasha, That yes, Woe is to the Rasha, woe is to the neighbor. Again, we're soon going to explain what exactly that means in this context. Then the Gemara goes on and says, In a similar way, there's toiv Sadik, tzaddik, toiv And the Gemara brings a possek, Imrut tzadik ki Say to the tzaddik or about the tzaddik, Ki that the things he does are all good, Ki primal yechelu, And they eat the fruits of their labor. Again, we'll soon see what the pshat in that possek is. Now, the first thing that Rebbe establishes is that from the fact that the Gemara, the Gemara's main discussion is regarding that reason of Miriam Bas Bilga, that seems to tell us that that's actually the main reason of why the Mishmar got punished. This is based on a rule that we know that the one that the Gemara is more elaborating on seems to be that's the one the Gemara is accepting. Now, Rashi, on the words, on these words at the very end of the Gemara, Mikan Omru, Oy Rosha Oy <l-shenoy> Here we see this idea, and then Rashi says the following, and therefore automatically we also know that, How do we know that automatically? Because we know that in good, the measure of good is always greater and better than the negative. Now, we just said before that there's a posik to prove this idea, of we brought a pasuk we brought a of, Says that ever from the fact that Rashi is saying that we know it from Midatoyva Meruba, that tells us that Rashi didn't have this Girsa in the Gemara of this Posek of Imrut Sadik. In fact, in some prints of the Gemara, this Posek doesn't appear. So we need to understand the reason. What is really the difference? Whether we're learning the proof from the Posek Imrut Sadik which again we'll discuss what the proof is soon, or the proof is from Midatoyva Meruba. In order to understand all of this, let's first go back to understand what is the meaning of those two penalties that the Mishmar had besides the north and the south. We spoke about that the ring was set in place and and that its locker, its kabi, was closed off. In this we find two pirushim. So Rashi explains, Tabata refers to the rings that were in the Azara, in the place where the animals were shechted, They would be attached to the stones of the floor. This was a ring that was able to move around um, in a way that it could open and close, so that you could open it up, put the neck of the animal into the ring, then you close it back down to the floor, and now it's sort of locked, so the animal can be held in place by the shechitah. That's Rashi's explanation. So in the case of Bilga of that mishmar, that ring was totally always locked in place. It wouldn't be able to be turned to be open and closed, so it wouldn't be able to use it. That was its penalty, and would always have to use a different mishmar's ring. What does chaloynos tumah mean? Again, related to shechita. According to Rashi, Rashi says that there were these chaloynos, these windows, these cubbies in the beis hachalifos, in the place where they held the chalafim, the knives. In the that was in the walls of these time of these between the walls of the base, some do with these spaces in which their knives would be kept. Again, the locker, the cubby of Bilgot was not available. They weren't able to use their own. So, but the point is that according to Rashi, both things, the tabas and the haloin, is related to Shita and to the things we use for the Shita. According to the Rambam and Pirusha Mishnayis, he says something very different. What does he say? It means tabat a kvur a stuma. So tabat says the Rambam, every mishmer had a ring that was actually hanging on the wall. We're not speaking about a ring on the floor. It was hanging on the wall. These rings were used to hang the animal when we needed to skin the animal. After it was already shechter and all of that, it needed to be skinned, so it was hung by that ring. And again, the, the ring of the mishmar of Bilgah was set in place. Wasn't able to be opened. Wasn't able to be used to hint that that um, because of this punishment. So again, there's this idea that all the other ones. The goes on to explain that there were 24 of these rings um, for the 24 um, for the 24 mishmaris. But again, this mishmar didn't wasn't able to use it in a similar way. There was 24 windows or, or lockers, cubbies. And this was for the big day Kohuna. Each mishmar again had its own. So the tabas, this ring for skinning the carbon, and the chaloin for big day Kohuna. What is the main difference, says the between these two pirushim? According to Rashi, the kenas of Bilgo was in things, they're all related to shechita, we said. It was things that are actually possible that even women should be able to do. Because shrita, as we know, is k'shera the uvenoshem. Even someone that's not a koin, and even a woman, could perform shita. And even lechatchila, someone that's not a koin, and in this case the noshem, could go ahead and shecht. Now, even though technically it needs to be within the space of the of the azorah where, where she can't go, but you, she could be standing right outside with a bit of a longer knife and she could shech. However... From the moment that the animal is that now we're receiving the blood, etc., this must be done by a koyan According to the Rambam, again, both the chalif and the rings are in yadam to do with shechita, according to Rashi. So again, shechita is something that's shayich to women. However, according to the Rambam, what kind of knas is being given over here? Things that are definitely not shayich for the women to do. First of all, they cannot be skinning the karbonos, why is that? Because these were rings that were in a place in the Azara, definitely that the woman would not be able to would not, would not be able to be there. And certainly not big dikuna, which are for the purpose of Avoidah. Because the women are not able to do the Avoida. And the Rebbe says, so what's really the machloikas going on here? What's the basis for those machloikas? So the Rebbe says, according to Rashi, we're giving a knas to the whole Mishmar. It's really like we said before, just like a neighbor that's ending up suffering the consequences because he's next to a bad neighbor. So, in other words, what kind of knas is being given? It's the kind of knas that even this girl herself technically of things that she could have done, because she could have shechted. so she's getting, in a certain sense, she's getting the main knas, because her ring is being locked, and her the knives that she would have been able to use are being she not not able to use the regular lockers. So it's things that are shy to her. And because of that, the rest of this Mishmar is suffering. So the punishment is the kind of punishment that's emphasizing that it's really all things to do with her. On the other hand, the Rambam, what kind of Knoss is it? It's things that have nothing to do with this girl herself. It's things that she wouldn't have been able to do, but rather now the whole Mishmar somehow is being punished in another area. How do we understand this? Because this goes back to the idea of neighbors. Is the neighboring affecting a real inner change in the other neighbor, to the extent that we say that now the neighbor was impacted in a real way, or are we saying no? It's only an external connection. How does this play out in this case? It's again Rashi and the Rambam, like we said before. According to Rashi, we said, the neighboring is only impacting an Echitsoini is the not really affecting the Shachin in and in, inside the Shachin himself, like we said by Bar that it's only a way that you need to behave towards your shachin, towards the neighbor. But it's not really that the neighbor owns anything. And therefore, as we'll see in a moment, it's going to apply to how the knas goes over here with the knives. But first, the Rebbe says that this generally fits with the way Rashi usually goes to explain things, more al shot. And the idea of when we say, Kansina mishmar, the way the Gemara discusses, do we, kansen, do we give a knas? To the whole Mishmar, it does sound like, yes, that's all it is. It's just a penalty that they're getting because of the Russia. So what does Rashi say? That the punishment that they're getting, the disgrace, the embarrassment that they're getting, is only because they were a neighbor, so to speak, that this girl is part of and close to them. And again, it's going to be only in things that she could have had some sort of connection to, that she could have done, so it's as a result because she can't use it. So therefore, they're neighbors, so they're also suffering. According to the Rambam, however, it's a much deeper connection between the neighbors. In our case, what Eul means, not only an external thing, you're being punished, you're suffering the consequences because you were close by. But rather what we're saying is, that because you're next to a Rasha, in this case, this girl, that affected this Mishmah that they themselves should become bad in some way. And therefore, as we'll soon see, the punishment is going to be a much bigger punishment, not only in the area of Shechita, as we'll soon get back to in a minute, but first again, the Rebbe discusses that this fits very much with the Rambam's opinion in Hilchus Deis, who speaks very strongly about the idea that it's the derech b'ryosa shaladim, that is the way of a person, that he's drawn in his character and his action, in the way he behaves, based on his friends and his acquaintances, his colleagues, as the Rambam elaborates. So therefore, going back to the punishment and disgrace in this case, it's not just limited to a punishment that oh, because my neighbour something happened to my neighbor, there's a certain punishment. The penalty, so that penalty is affecting me also. We're saying no, because we were neighbors, so the, the evil itself of the neighbor impacted this Mishmar. And therefore they're going to be punished in all things that are related to them in a more general way, not only the things where this girl was punished. Says the Rebbe, now we can understand the proof in regards to Toivla Tzadik Toivla Whether, as we have our Gears and the Gemorrhids because of the Passoc, Imru Tzadiki Toiv, or because of the Svar of Meruba Mido Toiva. Says the Rebbe like this. Let's look at the Passoc. Imru Tzadiki Toiv, Ki Prima Laleim What does this mean simply? That the Passoc starts off and Yochid. Imru, say Tzadiki Toiv. That the Tzadik is good. The things that the Tzadik does are good. Then it concludes, Blush Rabbin. Kipri lo lehem The fruits of their labor they will eat. What is this pasuk teaching us? The point that we're speaking about of toiv litzadik toiv That even those that were near the tzadik, they're going to eat the fruits together with the tzadik, because it started in singular tzadik and then we're speaking about fruits in plural. But that's not all, says the Rebbe, because seemingly it should have said Ki lo love yoychelu. Yes, we're speaking about the fruits. They will eat the fruits in plural. It's going to be them. The other people are going to eat the fruits. But it should have said, My love of his labor. My lalehem sounds the fruits of their labor. If we're speaking about the fruits of labor of the tzaddik, it should have said, My love. Says that, but that itself is really the proof the Gemara is trying to say. That because of the neighboring, it's not only that they're getting the reward of the tzaddik, his fruit. But furthermore, that now it becomes the fruit of their labor. Because as we explained, that right now, according to one of the ways of looking at it, as we'll see, this is going to be fitting more with the Rambam, that it became a much more intrinsic connection. So because of them neighboring the tzaddik, they became good now. They're now eating the fruits of their own labor. However, of course, it still starts with Imrut Tzaddik and singular kitov we're telling the tzaddik or about the tzaddik. We're speaking about the praise of the tzaddik because the fruits of the labor that they're eating is coming because they were neighbors of the tzaddik. That's why they learned from him and that's why they became different. So now that would fit again with the shita of the Rambam. But we said that Rashi doesn't bring this Pasek. So now we understand why. If we said that the neighboring according to Rashi doesn't really impact and transform the neighbor himself. Rather it remains an external shaykhus. So therefore we can't bring this Pasek of Imrut Tzaddik Yitoif. Which emphasizes an intrinsic and internal connection. Therefore, he brings the proof of Tzadik because of the Svar of That if we find by the bad that because of neighboring Russia there's Oilish then how much more so when your neighbors are the Tzadik? There's the concept of But the Rebbe says seemingly this is not still completely so glottic, still completely so smooth and understood. Why is that? Because why does Rashi have to come onto this idea of that in a good measure things are even better? Seemingly, even if good and bad would just be equals, that should have still been enough to say if oile rasha oile shcheinai, then so too we understand the same logic Tzadik, letsadik tov leshcheinai. So the Rebbe explains the fact that we go ahead and we punish the mishmar of, of bilgo is really is really an oynish. <coughs> that didn't impact, as we said in a very Pnimi way, we didn't really change the whole Mishmar in any way, it's more of a Chitsoyini thing. That means, we didn't take away the Avoidah of this Mishmar, we only took away, not even a part of the Avoidah. It's only a certain level of disgrace, of embarrassment, regarding certain details on the order of the Avoidah. Says the Rebbe, that fits with the concept of rasha O'lerosh Cheney, generally why? Because when we speak about punishment and negative things regarding a Yid, it's always going to be only a chitsoini, it's an external thing. It's never going to be an pinyami. As we know that the Razal say, even regarding a very, very harsh punishment, the harshest punishment, this is a story um, with uh, Ochon, where he was being punished for his Averos and being killed, and yet he's being told, that <speaking> in mabo <the language> he's still going to have a portion of Olam he's not messed up, he's not... Soiled, so to speak, as far as my Mabo is concerned, the penimius always remains pure. Because this fits with the general idea that evil and bad byit is always going to be only something external, only something secondary, not really part of his And therefore even the punishment is only a temporary thing and an external thing. But when we speak about Toiv Le Toiv the good that comes from being the neighbor of a Tzadik, it's going to be a more pnimius good and a more everlasting and eternal good. It affects the person the yidna the and therefore says the Rebbe it's not enough just to say toiv toiv the same way as oylirasha because as said the neighbor the neighboring, being a neighbor but to the Russia is the puullah, the effect is also always going to be just a very chitzoynus to However, when one is a neighbor with a tzadik, even if seemingly there's only an external connection. And not really bound in a, in a and connected in a penimizdic way. Nevertheless, the tzaddik does his poil in a penimizdic way on his shechinim on the Eden that are next to him and brings them good more in a penimizdic way as well. And this is why Rashi has to say meruba midatoyv that midatoyv of meruba because that's going to emphasize and explain to us that the toivl shechinim of the tzaddik is very different than the way it works by the Rashi because here, in fact, it is really a poula and a hamshacha now, the Rebbe is going to go back and connect it to, to the idea of uh, to, the three things really together, Bar-Metzra and Shabbos. The Rebbe says, this idea of Euler Roshah Oy L'Shcheinoy, and To'Vle Tzadik, really, and this is also into the two general ideas that we find regarding the other neighboring things that we spoke about, about Bar-Metzra and to Shabbos and Yom Tov. The Rebbe explains, what's the idea of Euler Roshah Oy L'Shcheinoy, and Avodis adam? The concept of oi repre- represents a concept of pain. We see by the nature of people, when someone is in very, very deep pain, it's expressed when he screams at and he says, oi! And we know that the pain for Averis, that's the avoida of tshuva, that breaks and nullifies the ra. Within this itself, says the Rebbe, there's two, there's, there's two ideas. There's the concept of the oi l'rosha and Oil In other words, it's more about focusing on the ra, breaking the bad, the Avoid of Surmei ra, in the in the, avoyda, in the nefesh, that would be more the idea of miriris, bitterness, koiv etc. And then there's toiv le the Avoid of the asay toiv, more the kav of simcha, of joy, of happiness. When a yid works on himself in both of these areas, both in the, in the getting rid of the negative and the positive, so then there's the idea of also oi l'shchein in other words, getting rid of the bad and nullifying the bad, the Sur Meirah, also by the neighbor, in other words, not only by myself, but also, it impacts my neighbor as well, and so too, when I do good, Toiv it impacts my neighbor as well, in Vahasei Toiv. Now, in the world in general, where would this be expressed? Where would we see these two general ideas of Sur Meirah, be Toiv, exp- and impacting the neighbors, would be in these two halachas that we spoke about before, of Bar metzra and Toistosh Shabbos V'yomtev. Bar metzra simply is... Obligating the person to act in a way against his nature, giving away something that he bought in order not to cause harm or even a bother to someone else. In other words, this is something more related to the concept of Surmeirah. <clears throat> and so too says the Rebbe, the general idea of Bar Metzra is again related more, not so much to the holy Inyanum of the world, not to, so much to the need of Kedusha and Mitzvahs. It's more relating to the mundane, the simple things of the world, a field in Yonah Hiroshus. And therefore, again, more related to the concept of how careful we need to be with these things, so it's more a sur type of mode. On the other hand, says the Rebbe, toys of Shabbos is speaking about anyanum of Asay Toiv. It's about adding in an anyanum of Shabbos and Yomtev, adding in Toiv, adding in Kedusha in the world. Says the Rebbe, based on all of this, the Rebbe is specifically focusing on the 2nd pirush of Euler Russia Euler L'Shainoy, and the way we just explained this whole idea of tshuva and so on and so forth, the Rebbe says we're going to understand something that it says in the Meghala Amukais. So he brings that Ve Now seemingly you could ask, in So what, what does this all have to do with seemingly all this negativity and punishment? Based on the way we explained it, the Rebbe says like this Rosha means breaking the bad through tshuva. Through the tshuva of Chodesh Elul. And Oilashchenu means who is the neighbor. We also get rid of, we break the bad, not only in Chodesh Elul getting rid of doing tshuva, but it also impacts the neighbor, which is Chodesh of, which comes right before Elul. And the Rebbe explains, it says in the Zohar that the months that belong to Yaakov Avinu are the months of Nison, Iyar, and Sivon. These months are considered months of Kedusha, of positivity, and connected to Yaakov Avinu. The Zoya then also discusses the months that are Shaykh, or that seemingly should be Shaykh to Esav. Yaakov has three months, seemingly Esav should also have three months. The Zoya, however, says that Esav ended up only getting two months. The months of Tammuz and the month of Av. And within the month of Elul, he's not found, he sort of lost the month of Elul. Elul is not his. Furthermore, even in Chodesh Av, he only gets the first nine days, and no more than that. So we see there's a major difference over here between Chodesh Av, and specifically the days after Tisha B'av, and Elul. So we say like this, Euler Rasha is hinting to Elul itself. In other words, here we're breaking the Ra and the Russia right from the outset. Well, are not even giving him any room, any time at all. That means, seemingly, it's a month. That you say maybe should have belonged to Esav, but we're not even giving him any space at all. He's completely eradicated from El. He doesn't belong there at all. Oile he was saying is even in a time that seemingly, to a certain extent, had a shaykhus to Esav. We're saying no, we break that as well. And from Tishabov, he's completely lost and not found there either. In fact, says the Rebbe, this is why the Karban Asanal says explains it based on this zoyar that in regards to chaydish we say that a person that has a court case with a goy should try to avoid it, but that's only till after Tishabov. because again after Tishabov is a totally different story, and it doesn't belong to klipa anymore. Says the Rebbe, however, the tachlis of breaking the ra is that through all of this, of course, there should be a Yisofa also in the asaytoiv and the Gili of oir, and so to the tachlis of breaking the ra in chaydish of. Is that we get to a toysfasar, to additional light. The union of, that it becomes menachim of. That after we break all the dinim, all the negativity and the radha, the oila rasha, of every single day, also over the nine days, it becomes the of itself, this of aspect of itself becomes menachim. That is that we get the double comfort. Nachmu, nachmu, ami. And furthermore, as it says in one of the afters that start off, Anoichi, Anoichi, humenachem, that Hashem himself comforts the Yidin. And then we go straight into Chodesh which is the Chodesh HaRachamim, the Amshach of the Yud-Giml Midis HaRachamim, which are higher than Ishtal which this is an introduction and a preparation to the Ksiv of Achsim Eto'iv Hashanah, which every single Yid is is written and sealed immediately in the Sefer of Tzadikim Gimurim.